Welcome to the Bodkins Show! Welcome to the Bodkins Show, a special Friday edition here, folks. That's right, it's a lovely uh, Friday evening edition of the Bodkins Show. Uh, we had to, our guest could not do our Sunday time slot, but I wanted to get in our guest uh, because uh, he is busy. And so Friday night worked for him. I said, Friday is the best time. We'll do Friday. Uh, we still might do a, a Sunday show uh, working on another guest here. So we might have two weekend Bodkin shows for you, but no longer. I'm not going to wait, make our guests wait any longer. Uh, joining me tonight for this special Friday edition, we wanted to get it in because baseball season is the first half is wrapping up this weekend. Uh, the all-star break starts Monday. So I wanted to bring in ex-professional player, uh, coach of, I'm going to, it's alpha uh, Academy as a cat. It's not Academy. It's alpha, um, alpha performance. Alpha Performance there. I knew I'd screw it up. I, for some reason, Academy sticks in my head. Alpha Performance, XMLB player, Jonathan Grishman. Thank you for joining us on this uh, Friday night special episode of the Bodkin Show. I appreciate you taking your time and uh, coming and joining me tonight. Oh, always. I, I'm enjoying doing these shows with all you guys. I appreciate you taking the time and, and inviting me onto the show. Uh, I've been looking forward to it all week since, we, uh, since you mentioned it to me. Yeah, we uh, we were on uh, Monday show again. If you missed it, the uh, Buffoon and Bodkin show. Make sure you check that out. So, Jonathan, uh, is it always you always been a baseball guy as a kid? Like you know, it's like that with the sport you just love from the day one, or uh, you know, was there other sports that you just you know hot, loved as well? Uh, no, I, I, baseball was my first love. I I, I grew up around the sport. Uh, I, I, I played other sports as well growing up. And you know, played golf, basketball, uh, soccer, football. Uh, but baseball was just that one that I got that I just fell in love with. Uh, my dad is a Division One college baseball umpire, so I grew up around the game from him. Uh, and it was just that, it was that love at first sight type of thing with the sport, and, and uh, it was something that I. I, I grew that passion for every day that I, I was able to grab a ball and a bat and, and, uh, and be able to just go out and play ball, whether it's with the friends and playing with football growing up or being on the field competing in, in, in league and whatnot. And, uh, it was just that, 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 that fire that grew as I was younger that I wanted to be able to play and, uh, and dream big. I was that kid that dreamed big that, you know, wanted to play college baseball, professional baseball. Uh, it was something that I just, I, I knew it was my calling. And I, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing anything else when I was a child when I was uh, started up this game. So I mean, talk us through that. I mean, through college, you said uh, like how that went, and then that process after after college, like how did that? Yeah, I'll take you further back when I when I was growing up a little bit more, and uh, I got to high school. I ended up having elbow surgery in high school, freshman year of high school, fourteen years old, and getting cut under the knife uh, with a. Uh, a very severe uh, elbow injury that actually was supposed to take me out of the baseball forever. I was never supposed to throw another ball uh, ever again. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget a conversation leaving the doctor's office before the surgery was done. My dad and I looked at each other and he goes, how bad do you want to play? And I'm in tears as a 14 year old, like, man, I want to, I want to play this game. He goes, want to learn how to throw left-handed. <laughs> and, and for two years at that point, because I, I, I couldn't throw right-handed anymore, so I, I, for two years during that time, and uh, I was like, well, let's, let's go. So we, we worked on throwing left-handed. I got to 
to get to high school sophomore year, and I was playing JV ball as a lefty uh, in, in high school, and uh, you know, just kind of worked my way to get to the point where I can be pretty decent. But for uh, fast forward a little bit longer, I finally was able to get cleared playing uh, baseball, throwing right hand again for miraculous. I I, I can't I, I don't know what it was. It was just something that I felt blessed to to get clear and start throwing right handed again and work my butt off to get to the point of playing college. And uh, again, I worked, didn't get to play any varsity games in high school. I'll tell you that right now. I, I played zero games in varsity, um, you know, things that took place with, you know, my health wasn't quite a hundred percent just out of my arm and uh, you know, outside of my control, I, I had nothing I could do, but I stayed hungry to be able to get to that point of playing college. And, I worked myself off out to to get to the point where I can play. Fast forward two years when I signed my first scholarship, registered my first year, and I blew my shoulder out actually playing outfield and third base. So I was, it was Murphy's Law for me uh, from what was going on uh, health-wise, where it was one thing after another, after another, and after another. But, uh, man, you fast forward to where I'm at today, I sit back and I reflect on it. I was like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine anything else, but – uh, blew my shoulder out, turned an eight-month rehab in my sophomore year. So I was done with junior college at this point, turned an eight-month rehab with the goal of I'm going to continue to play. I, I, I need to get myself to play ball. I still haven't played any a meaningful game in six years at this point. I got to get to it. I turned an eight-month rehab for my shoulder, rotator, and labrum, and uh, was cleared in two months uh, to start throwing again. Uh, worked my butt off and finally got a scholarship at a Division II NCAA school and Played three years there, worked my butt off even more, got myself to start playing professional and went from there, bounced around a little bit in the minors. And, uh, and I, the journey was just what it was. I couldn't imagine. Uh, I wish it could have been easier. I wish I could have gotten the easier road. But, man, I, I, it fit my personality as far as being able to work and, and having obstacles in front of me to make me work harder. Uh, and that's what I did. So I mean the I mean resiliency man that's just I mean kind of your that's your nickname if you ever made it uh you know so was the at at 14 was that just pitching cuz a, a pitching overuse of pitching at 14 I mean back in them days they're teaching to throw a curveball at 10 right like I mean is that I'll tell you this, it, it was pitching, but I never threw I never threw a curveball. My dad was my coach. He never taught me to throw a curveball. His rule was once you turn 15, you throw then we'll start working you on a curveball. It was just overwork. Uh, you know, again, talk about back in the day when I played, you know, we didn't have really pitch counts. We didn't really know as far as the the, the full structural damage that can be done at, at that age. So from nine years old to 13 years old, I pitched spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, three straight years. And Man, you t- uh, pitching almost every week, you know, very little rest in between, and it was just uh, it, it overworked it. I, 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 you know, we 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 sit back and talk about it in, uh, recently, and you know, we, we what if we would if we could have gone back and he he my dad being uh, what he is, he goes, man, if we could have gone back and kind of rest you a little bit more, what could have happened? Well, you know, it, it is what it is, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, that was the, that's what it was. It wasn't it was it was mechanics at times. It was overwork, never throwing curveball, and that's. I follow that suit to my to my athletes today. I don't teach kids to throw curveballs until they get to 15 years old. Let their arms develop and, and get stronger, and that was what you know, for me as well. But man, it was just it, it was just that the, that back in the day where nobody really knew much about the pitch counts. Nobody uh, kept a count for pitch counts and, and the usage, and that's where it, it kind of haunted me a little bit. 
So when you when you uh, you were working on left handed, were you pitching left handed or just trying to throw like <laughs> just playing like outfield left handed? Because I can't even like do anything with my left hand, so I couldn't even imagine like pitching or even throw it like teaching my brain to throw left handed. So were you pitching <laughs> left handed and like at that age too? Towards the back end of the two years that I uh, that I was throwing, uh, my dad was pushing me to throw left to pitch left handed, and I did actually get a couple uh, a, a few a few games in pitching. Uh, wasn't the best, but again, I'm 15 years old at that point, trying to do it left-handed. And I, I think I had a, I think in the two games that I pitched, I had four strikeouts, four walks, two hits, something like that. It was just a little bit, it was just a little bit of rough outing of it. But the, the goal was not necessarily to pitch; it was just to get back on the field, get myself to be able to where I can hit a little bit more and still and 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 get the game action because it's been it was you know three at that point when I was 15, it was three you know I hadn't played in two years. Uh, so we were just trying to get our stuff going. And then by me turning 16, I was like, hey, now let's, let's get you to pitch a little bit. And I'm like, man, that's just – it was going to be rough. I felt like I was not necessarily confident to do it at left-handed at just at that point. But uh, for someone who's learned for two years, I, I'd say I did pretty well in that aspect of it. But uh, the last outing I pitched uh, about a month after that is when I went to the doctor and got myself cleared to throw right-handed. And I looked at my dad and go – Get my glove. We're going to throw right-handed again. <laughs> Are you? I mean, if, if you stick at it left-handed, just I mean, that's just wild. I mean, most people shut it down. I, there's no way I could ever even think about throwing left-handed, and you're you're throwing left and right. So, like after high school, so did, I, you said you didn't get any varsity games, and so how did that scholarship or lead to college? Because I mean, to me, most you know, you, you play varsity, you get scholarships, and then that's how. So, how did you get into to college was it like a walk-on or you know how, how that's walk us through that story i made phone calls i called i, I you know a lot of the a lot of my athletes today they, they have it so easy with with all these programs and everything that are out there and and, and everything I, I made phone calls i called coaches i, I sent the emails out and, and i sent as much I, I did practices on my own i'd film you know we try to get as much film as we could uh you know this is 2007 2008 uh, you know, so we try to do as anything I could, and I made I made phone calls every day. I, I you know, I, I after school and I go practice a little bit on my own. Uh, I wasn't really playing with my high school because uh, like I said I was still kind of getting myself back in shape for my arm. And, and my high school coach did he just kind of cast me to the side and didn't give me the opportunity to play. So I made opportunities with myself. So I made phone calls and I set up recruiting visits for myself and and called my dad who was in Texas and I'm in Louisiana. I said, hey, I got a school in Texas that. Uh, they're, they're want to come see me or they want me to come see them. Can we get something, give me a plane ticket or whatnot? And he goes, yeah, let's go and hop me on a plane and, and go to uh, Dallas Fort Worth and had a couple of coaches out here. And, uh, you know, I, I did workouts and that was the best way to be for me to get myself noted, uh, uh, noticed was hey, come in here and be, able, you know, see what I can do. Uh, but that was, it was it. I, I made the phone calls. I did the you know the emails. I just did everything I could to get somebody to look at me and say, yeah, I want you, uh, I want you in my program. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a junior college at first that I went to out here in, in, uh, Dallas, uh, got me a, got me a scholarship. It was a small scholarship, but Hey, I mean, at that point when you don't play ball for a while and you're still getting something, I, I said, yes, let's get to work. And it's what it was. But I mean, I, I just put the time in, I, 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 you know, say my love for this game. I couldn't see myself not playing college baseball, and I, I, I did everything that was necessary to get somebody to look at me and say, "Yeah, I want you." 
Man, that's just insane. Cause like you just think about like, I mean, at 14, you're going through this surgery and then like most people shut it down then, you know, like, Hey, that, it is what it is. Like it sucks to suck. But then like, you just kept going. And then for you to even say like, I'm going to continue to like push beyond, like pretty much fuck my high school baseball <laughs> coach and that guy, like I'm going to get out here. I'm going to get myself recruited. I'm going to do my best. Like that is like most kids these days and most people at that age, especially 16, 17 years old, they're just, you know, too busy hanging out with friends and having a good time. But you had this dream in mind and can continue to pursue it. It absolutely just amazes me, man. Like that in <laughs> itself is one of the most resilient stories. I mean, of a lot of people I ever heard. So like after college, so like you get into college and we talked about playing a ball, uh, a little minor league a ball. So like, Talk to me about that. Was like, were you drafted, signed as a free agent, or like, how did how did that process work out? And in, in, in a little bit of the A ball, man. Uh, again, it's kind of a similar situation. I went through high school. I got to college. I played, and uh, my college coach didn't necessarily believe in me to get to that level. And I, I you know, I had to I had to work every year. You know, he brought in uh, first baseman after first baseman to take my job, and he told me these guys are coming here to take your job, and you know, we'll do, we'll decide on your future at that point. And I looked at every year he he tell me that, and I looked at him and I go, they can try, they're gonna have to outwork me. You're not you're not you're not gonna just give them the job. They're gonna have to outwork me to get it. And uh, when I got to my senior year, uh, you know, I, I tried to do what I can to say, hey, you know, where where you know where can I get potentially get drafted? Could that happen? Is that something where I'm at? My numbers were pretty good, batting over 300 for the time being. I was there. You know, my power numbers weren't there yet. I was still developing my power, but as a contact hitter, as a first baseman, I was pretty good at that, and my defense was it was good. But um, no, I didn't get drafted though. I, I didn't get the the support in, in, in school to to be able to do that. Uh, it was kind of like okay, where where I was high school, get myself recruited. Let's do the same thing. I, I've already been down this road once. Let's do it again. So I made phone calls. I call scouts. I call up to say, hey, you know, here's my, my Jonathan Grishman. This is the positions I play. You know, I, I, I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'll drive to you. I drove to Oklahoma. I drove to Louisiana. I played out in uh, – I did a, a workout in, in Arizona uh, just to try to meet with scouts as many as I could. I went down to Houston a couple times uh, just to try to get somebody again, say yes to me one time. And uh, was able to go and play ball in New Mexico a little bit. Uh, independent ball was where I started out first just to get myself, you know, experience at pro professional baseball. Uh, worked my way through that and, uh, you know, bounced around into New York and independent ball. Then I got myself to an opportunity to play in, uh, international in Puerto Rico for a season and uh, I mean, traveling the country again. In 20, my early to mid-20s, I'm traveling the country. I'm traveling international. I mean, there's nothing better I could have done. And from the time that I went to Puerto Rico is when I got a chance to go uh, single A and, and be able to work it out there and get a, get a cup of coffee is how they call it out there. When you, you get a little bit of time out in, in, at that level. Uh, it didn't last long. Uh, I won't say. I mean, it, it didn't last long at that point. But uh, I, I got that opportunity, experience to sit there and say, "Hey, I made it that high. I made it that far." Coming uh, from where I was, 14 years old, shoulder surgery. You know, at 19. I mean, who would have thought where I was at to be able to get to that point? Yeah, you're supposed to be a Disney movie, man. You just missed it <laughs> out. You know, like uh, you could have been the rookie too, or something like that. I mean, man. just your, your story is incredible. I will say, I will say real quick, that movie was actually part of an inspiration for me because I, I loved that movie growing up, uh, you know, uh, uh, and I was like, man, I had a scar on my arm and I'm sitting there thinking, why can't that be me? 
you know, why can't that be? So that it's funny you brought that up because that was one of my inspirational movies that I that I sat there and say, hey, I, I can be the next I can be the next one that gets that opportunity like that. I mean, it's it's exactly what that is. You just, uh, I mean, the story, the the bouncing around to the independent leagues. What so like was it the A ball that you talked to the cup of coffee? The A ball was that what organization was that? Uh, was that like with an organization in the pros? Like it was, uh, Rangers. Okay. It was with the Rangers. Uh, got up there in spring training. Uh, worked out with them for a few weeks. Uh, you know, everything was going good. I was playing really well. Um, you know, and then we had, we, you know, things just didn't work out at that point. They made a business decision on uh, on what they needed at that point. They needed pitching. Uh, so they, when I was I was playing third base and first base. They had Joey Gallo, who was still kind of getting himself up there, uh, you know, in the uh, you know, double A, triple A. He was getting them. He was the he was a talk of the Rangers minor leagues at that point. So uh, third base and first base was not necessarily a priority. He still had Mitch Moreland at, at first base in the big league club, too. So. Pitching was bigger. It was their biggest need, and I'm like, well, I, my days of pitching were long gone. So, uh, but I got that opportunity, and uh, you know, it was. I, I'll never. I mean, my, I tell kids all the time that I coach that my, my the first day I was out there was just. Uh, I almost. I had to lay my head on the grass for a second. I was like, this is awesome. This is amazing. I'm out here, and, and everything. This was great. Yeah, I mean, even it had to feel like you made it, right? Like, I mean, even though you didn't make it to like the show. But for somebody who was told at 14 years old, here you are, probably what close to 10 years later, uh, making it to you know that percent that not even you know anybody ever told you you should have made it. So I can only imagine that's like sitting on top of the mountain right there is like you know you're seeing live pitching. I mean you're talking about guys that are playing like you saw those guys play, and it's not not even just sitting as a fan like you're suiting up in the clubhouse with them. I mean to me that's just. Like my jaw is dropping because I didn't. We've been on shows together, but I didn't know. Like you know, I told you I like to learn about people, and like man, <laughs> that's just a that's a killer uh, for me. So like, what at what point you're at the Rangers at the A ball? Like you're just like you know what the dream is the dream, and it's I, I'm done chasing it. And it, what what led you to that? Uh, after I got after I got uh, let go, I, I did a few more workouts. I had a workout with the Giants. I had a workout with the Marlins. Uh, my physicals didn't. I wouldn't get past anymore. I actually ended up having a back injury uh, in 2011. I had uh, a herniated. I had two herniated discs in my back in college that I played through. Uh, it got worse as time went on. Obviously, it doesn't matter how much I'm working. It got worse over time. And uh, when I got to do physicals at that point with those two teams, they just wouldn't pass me. And I'm like, well. At that point, you know, it doesn't look like I'm going to get I'm going to get that opportunity anymore to, to get up to step on the field. So uh, medically, I had to hang it up. That was that was the unfortunate side. And, and, it, and I tell you, it eats at me a little bit because I'm like, man, I would I wish I would have been told you're just not good enough anymore instead of you're good. But we can't have you play because of these medical injuries, which I'm sitting there thinking I've played through every injury you could think of, rotator cuff and elbow injuries, I've, you know, concussions. I've had uh, this back injury was going to be the one that I, and I kind of knew I knew it was going to at some point catch up to me uh, and, and, and really somebody's going to find out about it and say, hey, this is a problem we got to do. I, I hit it as long as I could. You know, I don't think actually my college coach even knew I had a back injury and I played through with him over there. And then two years, two, three years prior in pro ball, I played through it and I did everything I could to hide. But 
uh, they were able to catch it a little bit. Uh, those two teams were able to catch it, and, and they just say, hey, we can't. We have to flag you on it. I'm like, all right, well, now it's time for the next chapter. <laughs> so, so I guess is that what – what was the next – is that the alpha – uh, is that Alpha? Is that uh, I'm going to say Academy, but I keep getting wrong every time. Uh, man, I, I got into coaching during my careers with uh, my pro ball. I was kind of doing a little bit of bouncing around in local DFW coaching, uh, some of the uh, select younger teams. I uh, didn't really have a home at the time. I was just trying to get in the game. I was trying to learn about coaching. I, I always had a passion for coaching. Uh, my very first, I'll, I'll say my, my very first coaching job I had, I, I was actually 14 coaching 10-year-old basketball. Uh, <laughs> so I had a knack to want to coach, uh, and I knew that was something uh, – because I, well, I knew the, when, the, when the clock hits zero, father's time, father time's undefeated. My, my, you know, I knew my, at some point my injuries were going to catch up, and I wanted to stay in the game. Uh, and coaching was a, was a passion and a growth that I wanted to achieve and be able to do uh, and help the next generation. I, I, I was influenced. I mean, I had, I had great people in the, in the game around me. Uh, that that influenced me playing. I, you know, I grew up around Skip Bertman at LSU, Rick Jones at Tulane University, the LSU baseball teams of the '90s, the the, the team of the '90s of LSU. I grew up around uh, some of the best ball players in the state of Louisiana. Influenced me so much, and I, I had that desire to do the same that they did for me. Uh, that I get the opportunity to do for the next generation of athletes when I get that opportunity playing in college and pro baseball. And, and provide my knowledge to them and, and help them grow their love of the game. Like those guys, you know, Blair Barbier and Brad Cressy and uh, 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 Mike Fontenot, uh, uh, Ryan Terrio, guys that I just absolutely yeah. grew up around. And those are my I, Cub guys, those guys all played for the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Terrio and Fontenot. Well, yeah, I, I oh, yeah. I love those guys. I love growing. I mean, again, I grew up around them. I mean, it was something that I, 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 I even to this day, I mean, I, 25 years later, I, I still. I still know those guys from what they've done for me. So I, I always wanted to do the same for the next generation. Uh, so I got myself going and coaching, bounced around in some of the uh, local organizations. And I, I did want to do my own organization. I wanted to be able to start uh, my own program uh, to be able to, in, to have that influence a little bit more. And, and there's was, there was other reasons that I, I, I wanted my own program because there, there's some – there's some political stuff. There's some politics and sports. We all know there is, and there's some bad business that takes place. And I, I always wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to make this be about the kids and be able to uh, provide opportunities for some kids that didn't get opportunities like I did. I, I, I wasn't given opportunities as much. Or I wasn't. I was overlooked by by my high school coach and college coach, and you know, and some of the some of the people here in Dallas Fort Worth uh, when I was in high school and college out here that you know they they overlooked me. I want to provide those opportunities for some of those kids who get overlooked and, and say, hey, just because somebody says no does not mean that you're done. You can find a way to make yourself work. I'm the prime example. So how many teams do you have out there? I know you have you have softball and and baseball. So and is it are you like go out and recruit kids or how does that how does that work out? We have five softball teams right now, ages from 10-year-olds, 12-year-old, 214U, and a high school 18U team. That's uh, our showcase team. Uh, and then we have two baseball teams in the program that we're going right now. Um, it, it, so the, the, as far as bringing players in, it, it, it's a form of recruiting. You know, we post uh, stuff on, on Facebook, on social media, saying, hey, we have a team. We're looking for players. Uh, reach out to my information here and, and – uh, 
and, and it come in and do a tryout. Sometimes it's word of mouth. Some of the parents that we have in the organization, they say, hey, I have a, I know some, I know a family that's looking for a team. Can I give them your information? And so, yeah, here, yeah, bring it, you know, we'll always, we'll always take a look at somebody. Even if we have a team filled, we want to take a look. It's, it's about providing, you know, opportunity and, and educating players. So if, if I have a player that comes in that may not be a fit or we don't have a spot for, but if I can help them with certain some information as far as on-field stuff, hey, you're doing this with your hitting or, hey, you're throwing like this or your feeling is this, I can educate them. So that when they go to another team, they kind of do it a little bit more, and they can kind of impress impress that coach. Uh, you know, again, it's 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 not it's a battle at times with organizations and teams, but the the right mindset is is these kids need an opportunity to play somewhere, and if it's not with us, oh, well, I'm not going to say, well, don't go play, don't you just wait for us until we have a team. Well, no, go find somebody and go play. But here, let me help you and 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 see if I if something I can do for you. Uh, can can give you that opportunity to do good for that next trial that you're going to go do. You still there? All yeah, right. I'm here. All right, good. I lost. I was froze. I don't know if that was. Looks like we're still good bars. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> so, is there like a so when is, uh, a kid comes to you? Is there something that you're looking for that in that in that uh, you know kid like what? What are you looking for specifically, like to get them on your team? Uh, we actually put so we don't necessarily have tryouts. That's the best thing about what we do. We put them in a practice. We get them in a practice setting. I, I try to make as much. I try to take out of the stress of a tryout as much as possible. Everybody's nervous. I've, I've played. I've been nervous when I do go uh, go do pro tryouts. I, I, I'm scared, you know, out of my mind at times. So you have a kid who's 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, 14 years old. They're nervous and they're anxious and everything like that. So we, we try to do what we can to get them in a comfortable setting and be able to just say, go play ball now. Let me see what you can be, what, what you can do. So we put them through a practice. So that way they can kind of see the kids and what we have on the team. We can, they can see me as a coach. Uh, a lot of it, you know, I want to see how coachable a kid is. Do you take in information? That's why, again, put them in a practice. We get on, you know, and say, hey, let me, let me inform you on something. So how do you take it and how do you respond to me helping you in certain aspects of this? Uh, are, are you kind of reluctant? Which, again, I, 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 don't, I don't hold that against the kid because it's a coach who they don't know. He's trying to coach him and change some, maybe, maybe some tweaks, some things here and there. But let me see how you respond to that. Do you try it at least? Maybe you try it and might like it. Or, hey, if you don't like it, how do you tell me? Hey, it doesn't feel comfortable for me. So uh, coachability is one. And then, you know, certain aspects of the fundamentals and basics, uh, it depends on the age. Like if you're a 12-year-old 12 12 kid, do you have a fundamental uh, understanding of the basic mechanics? If you're a high school kid, do you have the uh, the uh, the next level, the advancement side of what you're trying to play uh, and be able to showcase yourself to, to a college here when we go do a showcase or whatnot? So there's different aspects of what I look for for my athletes and, and everything, but uh, it, it all depends on the age. It depends on the kid itself and what position they're playing or you know how athletic they are, how do they move. Is there something we can make a little bit more uh, adjustments to help them out in that aspect? Uh, to where we can benefit them as well as they benefit us as a team and organization. Oh, man. All right. So, Jonathan, let's get into it. Uh, I mean, your story, man, is just absolutely <laughs> incredible, dude. I mean, resiliency is just – that is an understatement, man. I, I can't even imagine. Like, I quit riding my bike at 14 because I wrecked <laughs> it. And you're getting like you're, – you're out here pitching yourself to colleges, professional teams. Man – 
I, I'm just astonished of this, uh, of your, your story and you're like resilient, like people just don't have that, that you, you stuck to your dream and you're continuing to push and like, and now you're trying to push other kids and you started your, you know, this program and you're trying to help kids to get to their dream. And that's, uh, you know, something that just, uh, you know, people don't do, you could have quit a long time ago and uh, I quit's probably not in a word that you have <laughs> in your vocabulary. No, so, it's uh, not. Let's talk a little bit of uh, professional baseball. The, the first half wrapping up finally this uh, this weekend. We had some surprises. Uh, I mean, a couple managers fired early on. Two of those teams right now have kind of bounced back. Or I mean, the Phillies have bounced back, and they're in the playoff race here. Were you surprised uh, with the Blue Jays firing the Blue Jays? I mean, they're right there in that wild card spot that they fired their manager yesterday, I believe, or, or Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting you named those two teams as far as disappointing. I'd I actually have both those teams down as my disappointing teams. Blue Jays, number one, I actually had the Blue Jays as a World Series contender. Uh, the, and I, they were one of my World Series picks uh, in the American League. And, and it wasn't necessarily a surprise that they fired Montoya uh, with the amount of money they've spent over the last two years signing George Springer, signing Jose Barrios, you know, Kevin Gosman this year, the pitching staff, what they've tried to assemble uh, around is, and is not done what they were supposed to do. You have, like I said, Springer, Guriel, uh, Jordis Guriel. Uh, you have the young guys in Guerrero, uh, Junior, Biggio, Bichette. Uh, there's a lot of talent on that team, and they have underperformed for, you know, really, you can say they underperformed last year too. They 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 didn't take that step that you were hoping to be a contender for the division. The Rays took it last year, and they and and right now the Yankees are going to take it this year. And you were hoping to be that that team that really challenges the Yankees and challenge the Rays for that division crown right now. And they have absolutely just fallen off and are a five hundred team. And the amount of money they have spent. Uh, this year and last year's offseason, that's unacceptable. You cannot be a 500 team when the goal has been to build the roster up and be able to uh, to compete for a division crown and potentially a World Series. And I, I think it's not all necessarily Montoya's fault. It's a front office decision. When you go sign Jose Barrios, who you traded for, and you sign him to a seven, it was a seven-year, $131 million deal, but you let Robbie Ray go, who won a Cy Young last year. And he signed for a less contract with less money than what you pay in Berrios. So, I, you know, that there's some decision making that goes that, that in the front office that should get blamed for what has transpired this season. Uh, but it, it wasn't. But you have to find somebody. The first one always is going to be the manager. Montoya, he's just not been. Uh, he's not done the job that they were hoping for and get this team to be a contender in the uh, for a World Series. And like I said the Phillies, uh, I, you know, they bounced back a little bit, but they've kind of come back down to earth a little. Uh, losing Bryce Harper hurts with a broken uh, thumb, uh, but with firing Girardi earlier this year, and that was kind of that was not necessarily a surprise uh, that they did that. I think they needed they needed the change, and the clubhouse was just not responding to Girardi. And you take somebody who's a little bit more known as far as a club, you know, that doesn't have that full authority that of a manager, and you bring you bring him in, you make him the interim manager. The guys are starting playing a little bit more loose now, and that's what happens. So and that's what and that's what the Phillies have done. Uh, Throughout the uh, the second half of the first half of the season, after the Girardi fight, they've been able to play a little bit better. But they're still they're still floating as a 500 team, and that's kind of what they are. It's the same thing with the Blue Jays. You spend a lot of money 
to bring players in. Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, you have Aaron Nola. You have a lot of talent on that team. They're just not able to compete. And when you have the Braves and Mets having success this season, the Braves winning the World Series last year, there's a lot of pressure in, in Philadelphia to, to win, and they haven't been able to do it right now. So those are probably the two of the most disappointing teams that I, uh, I would say uh, in baseball right now um, that – the, what they've been able to do has just not been good enough. Yeah, I had actually both those teams too. I had both of them in my uh, win in their division. I didn't have the Blue Jays in the World Series, but I thought this was the year that they would win that division. I had the Phillies too kind of as the surprise team as the money they spent. Uh, the Blue Jays, I just thought that – because I think even Vlad Guerrero said like last year was the – like the the trailer this year's the movie uh, uh, and he had tweeted that out well we're still waiting on a good movie in there in toronto because it just hasn't been happening uh what's a what's one more team that just has you know kind of i like to say shit the bed uh that it, you thought was going to be really good and just they haven't haven't showed up yet I, I will say this is the chicago white Sox. it would be the other team that i put down in the american league that has absolutely disappointed again talk about talent level young talent level too with tim anderson jose brayu luis uh, robert and johan makeda as far as offensively uh pitching staff has has some good pieces into it and you're uh you're 44 and 40 was a 44 and 45 you're five game the, the fortunate side for the white Sox, they're still in the race of the division they're one of the few only one of i think two divisions that's still within uh reach with everybody else is basically blown out the door um so the white Sox still have a chance to at least turn the corner uh, but with the talent level that group has, they should be winning that division. They, they you know, as far as uh, what they what they're capable of, and, it, and it, there's a little bit of self-destructivism that you could probably look at as far as what the White Sox. I mean, the team doesn't respond very well with Tony Larusa. Larusa being that older manager guy, and and this younger generation just it looks at it and say, well, you're the crusty old guy that doesn't understand how the younger kids play today, and that was I think that was actually. Almost, almost verbatim, what Tim Anderson uh, said about the Russa last year uh, was that you just don't get it, uh, and so there's been a lot of pushback as far as you know La Russa being the manager of that team and what they're able, what they're capable of doing. They haven't been able to achieve it. I mean, again, you're uh, fourth in Major League Baseball on batting average, on the, and so they're hitting the ball really well. They're, and that's what that team is built to do. But they're 19th in the baseball in Major League Baseball in ERA with a 4.02 ERA, and that's what's kind of hurting them right now. Again, that's the theme of the teams that uh, the Blue Jays and Phillies, and, and the other team I actually had was the Giants, being a disappointing team uh, it, 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 on that list as well. But every one of those teams that some you know that either pitching or or the hitting has been on the bottom half of Major League Baseball, and the White Sox pitching is on that with the 19th in the ERA. And that's just not going to cut it. You, you can do it in a weak division with the uh, in the American League Central, but when you go against the other teams in, in in baseball and you're comparing them to other teams in baseball, it's it's going to set you back. It's going to hurt you. And right now with the Twins, Twins are 13th in major in MLB and ERA, and they're seventh in MLB in batting average. So there's a there's a there's a little bit of a difference uh, in those two teams as far as on the pitching side that you know the Twins have been more consistent and the White Sox have not. Yeah, the White Sox need to take Tony La Russa back to the nursing home where they found him. I mean, uh, he, you talk about self-destruction. It doesn't help when Tony La Russa is like, it's like a one ball or one strike, and he's walking, the, intentionally walking a guy or walking the bases loaded. So, I mean, he's not doing any favors. But I, as a Cub fan, I, go ahead, White Sox, and choke it because they, uh, I mean, that's a team. Where, yeah, I was looking at the standings currently. The White Sox are four back right now. 
uh, in their, their vision. But so they might be able to catch the twins here because uh, it's not like the twins are like world beaters or even the guardians. It's not like they're the, you know, the, what the Yankees are doing right now. There's, it's still up in the air for that, divi- that central American league central division. Uh, so who's some surprising teams that, you know, um, that you, that were like, wow, this team, we didn't see this team coming. Uh, and is right there the chance to take it. I'll I, I say I have some teams listed on, on my surprises. I, I, they're not necessarily like, wow, they, they're, they're about to win the divisions. I, I think the teams that we have in baseball right now that are leading the division or within the division race, uh, they were expected to be. So I, I went outside the box a little bit on my surprise teams. And I, as far as in the American League, the number one team output is a surprise on what they've been able to accomplish after years of being last place and being just the the bottom dwellers in the in the, the 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 getting their butts kicked almost every other week uh, week is the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles on a ten game winning streak. Uh, they're above five hundred for the first time. I think it's been four or five years that they've been above five hundred, uh, and, and so they're they're able to at least be competitive right now. They got a young little nucleus as well that. Uh, that they're they're out there competing and they're playing really well. So it makes you kind of interested to see what that future looks like for Baltimore. Uh, and they're a game and a half back of the wild card. Who would have yeah, thought yeah, that part? Yeah. That, I was going to say, way. game and a half of the second wild card. That's, I mean, somebody put some money for the Orioles to make some play, uh, you know, to make the playoffs. They, hey, that's probably going to cash in real, you know, I mean, we'll get into a little pretender contender, but I mean, right now you got to be feeling pretty good because nobody saw that one coming, right? Like I probably couldn't even tell you, two Oriole baseball players right now. Like, I mean, that's how bad they've been. I mean, uh, so yeah, I'm a hundred percent Statlander. Is he on the, still on there? Uh, Sal and Tander, he's their outfielder left fielder is pretty good. No, I'm not entirely sure if he is anymore. I know you, know, you got outfielders, Trey Mancini, you got, um, yeah, Trey Mancini, Cedric, right. Cedric Mullins is the other one. That's uh, Roman center field. I don't know off the top of my head, the other out, who the other outfielder is for them. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, and, that, and that just goes, as you said, that just goes to what they, you know, who, who the Orioles are. And you, you, unless you're a fan of the Orioles, you don't know those guys very well. But uh, and they've been able to do a lot. And I think it actually started when they brought up Rushman to Adley Rushman, uh, their their prize catcher, and he's yeah. been he's been actually playing really well, and, and he's kind of adjusted to the game a little bit, you know, better. And I, it, it's going to be determined what happens after the teams make adjustments to how they pitch to him. Uh, and that's the, that's the key is for for a rookie in, in in the big in the big leagues is they don't have any film on you they don't have any scouting reports on you they're developing scouting reports as they go against you and the next time they face you now they start knowing what the, what they can do to beat you so it, he's going to have success right now to start out but how he makes the adjustments and how he learns from what's going on is going to be the big key but he's been playing uh, you know, for for a rookie behind the plate he's been playing well that team's been playing really well a ten game winning streak. Uh, again, who would have thought that from from the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, and that's why they're my surprise team that I have. The Cleveland Guardians, as far as American League, is the other one. Uh, two games back to the wild card. They're 44-44. and 44. They sold off most of their players. They sold Landor last year uh, and, and before the season. They, you know, uh, uh, they've been getting rid of their pitchers left and right. Uh, you know, Clevenger was another one that got rid of. Bauer at one point was. Uh they they have just been you know they're just a small market team they do that every now and then and then they find ways to develop players and, and be able to at least still be competitive and again the american league central is is a weak division so they're able to at least do a little something here and there and overall the american league i think in my opinion is is actually weak as a whole uh you know besides the astros and yankees i think everybody else is kind of susceptible to 
uh, to the mid-level uh, teams. And right now that's why you have the Orioles and, and Guardians uh, in contention, at least for a wild card. So, uh, but the, you got to do the job. You got to be able to go play. And that's what the, the Guardians are doing right now. And they're, they're they're playing good ball at times where they're when they play their division, they're still in it a little bit better. So that, that's one of the other teams that I have. If I go to the National League, the Miami Marlins, are my one of my surprise teams, and again, they're in a tough division with the Mets and the Braves, and the Phillies are still right there. But they've been able to play well. They they give the Braves fits at times too. That's one of the that's one of the things about it is they, they have the Braves numbers uh, uh, quite a bit when it's in Miami and sometimes even Atlanta. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent on that team. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is pitching probably he's the favorite to win a Cy Young this year. Uh, he's pitching outstanding, and, and you know, you've got a young team that's just able to go and play ball and, and be able to do some you know, some good things. Jazz, uh, Jazz Chisholm is a, a young superstar that is flourishing right now in Miami, and, and if they can kind of keep him and build around some of the pieces they have in Miami instead of you know trading them out and selling them, you can have a, a Marlins team that could be a competitive uh, you know team in the division for a few years at least. Uh, and the last one, I, I try to find a second team, and I, I chose the Cardinals. I chose the Cardinals as a surprise. Ah. I, I know you don't like that. I know you hate that that, that name of it, but uh, they're a surprise because again, they're an older team. Uh, that you know, they're kind of the last hurrah for the for Wainwright and, and Molina and Pujols is there. They brought him back and kind of just say, hey, we're going to do one last ride uh, for the for the old vets uh, of the Cardinals. And they're still and they're playing well and they're in contention at least with the division behind the Brewers just a couple games out of the uh, first place they're they're making things difficult on the Brewers and and not giving them an opportunity to have that some of the teams that are in first place in the division have those double digit leads uh, they, you know they're they're pushing the Brewers to at least have to com- uh, compete every day and every week and again we talked about this on Monday I would not be surprised if the Cardinals win the division in the uh, in the NL Central this just yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they. If they won either, it's just what they do, and, and and when you have that group of leaders that they have, Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols, who's been there and done that, I mean, why not? And again, you have a young group, a young talented group around them that can go play and and, and win ball games for you. I, I I could not count them out right now, and it's just a little surprising that they're able to hang with the Brewers right now uh, at the at the midway point of the season. Yeah, I would have said the Cardinals too. I mean. I- it's a surprise, but not a surprise to me because it's the Cardinals. So I just see him do it all the time. Like that's the thing. I, you know, I mean, I can't really say it, but like I have to say, it. the Yankees too. Just how so damn good they are is a surprise. Like their record, I didn't ever think they were going to be this damn good. Like that's, I just think that how good they are is a surprise to me. Like they only have like I just looked at like seventeenth. Was it? Let me look at their record again. I just pulled it up. Um, 62 and 27 that's just mm-hmm. ridiculously like uh, on pace type level like to me like i know that's not a surprise like oh how can you say the yankees but like how good they really are is a surprise to me on how good how good they so who who you got in the in the second half let's play like a, a pretender contender here i'm just going to give you some names just tell me a pretender contender and kind of a little bit about it uh so tampa bay i mean they're 13 back right now in the the their division but the wild card they're right they're up they're the number one wild card pretender yeah. continue the race as far as uh getting into the postseason I'll, I'll say the rays are a contender uh they pitch really well and pitching wins ball games in in the second half of the season 
Um, they have one of the best pitching staffs as far as statistics-wise, one of the best ERAs in baseball. It's a young staff that had a little bit of experience last year in the postseason. They didn't have a good experience uh, losing to the Red Sox uh, in the, uh, last year, but they were able to get that experience with that young group. And they are absolutely pitching lights out and have been able to do so all season. The only thing that concerns me for the Rays is offensively. They've been very inconsistent offensively. The power numbers have not been there. But I'll give them a contender just because pitching does matter in the postseason, especially when you get into the dog days of end of August and September. Going into the last month, you have to be able to pitch, and the Rays are doing that. So I'll give the Rays a contender status for that. So the, maybe one of the hottest teams in all of baseball that's not getting no love either. We're talking 20 years now for this team hasn't made the playoffs. The Seattle Mariners. Is this the, is this the year they finally get in? I mean, it feels like the, every, the last few years like they're almost there. Is this the year they finally break through? Uh, tw- I mean, it's been over 20 years since the Mariners. We've seen the Mariners in October. Is this? Are we doing it right here? I will actually say, I'll go right here, 20 years of waiting for Seattle, I'll say they are a contender. They are a fun, exciting team. They're figuring it out a little bit right now, too. And, again, the young guys are stepping up. And and that's what makes things exciting about this season is that you're you're looking at the next generation of ballplayers where you you know we've been – uh, so so glad to see you know the guys like Mike Trout you know be the be the go to guy for so long. But man, every team you can turn around and say every team has three guys that are the young this young group of twenty three to twenty five year olds that are absolutely lighting it up right now. The Mariners are no different, uh, and, and they're playing they're playing good ball again. Eleven game winning streak for them. They they it boosted them back into the status of making the wild card. And I think they're good enough. I think they'll be good enough to win games when it matters towards the second half and be able to secure a wild card spot. So I'll go ahead and say that uh, 20 years has been a long time to, to celebrate in Seattle, and they'll be a contender for a wild card position. All right, one more American League team, and we'll, we, Boston Red Sox. I mean, right now they are uh, third in the wild card, but they're tied with Toronto, who we already kind of talked about. So the Red Sox, pretender or contender here? Uh, they're pretender. I, I have no faith in what they've been able to do. They, I think they've been playing with house money most of the season. They've been able to catch fire at times, but that's, it's a flawed roster. It's been and it's been that way for almost two years now. That they just have not. They've been underachieving. It's a lot of talent on that team, but they have underachieved and, and they've been kind of riding the, uh, the Alex Cora uh, train you know, from the World Series from a few years ago, and it's just not been the same right now. And, and, and from what he's dealt with with the suspension. Uh, he comes back to this team, and it's been it's been a night and day difference from what they were to where they are today, and and, and they've just they've not been able to be consistent playing wise. And again, the most talented team in baseball does not always win. It's the most consistent team. If you're not consistent, uh, you're going to struggle. And right now, the the only way the Red Sox have been consistent has been consistently playing bad baseball at times, uh, more so than playing good baseball. They're two and eight in the last ten. Right now, they've lost four in a row. They they. They got themselves back in, winning a good a bit of games back in June, but they've fallen back to the earth right now. I, I don't have a lot of faith with that team. I think you know, a lot of Red Sox fans are waiting for Chris Sale to come back, but he he, he threw he uh, destroyed a TV down in uh, in Pawtucket, I believe it was in my in AAA in his rehab assignment because it didn't go well. So I, I don't see they have a lot of unless they make some moves to to better the team, which I, I don't even see they have the pieces to do that. I don't think they're going to make the postseason. I think they're going to uh, fall even further behind, and they'll be a pretender status. All right, I'm going to give you a couple National League teams. Uh, 
the Padres, San Diego, are they pretender or contender? They're two in their second place in the second wild card right here. I think we're kind of <laughs> in agreement. Braves, Mets will probably take that division and probably the other wild card. So uh, the Padres here, pretender. Uh, I'll I'll give the Padres a contender. They're a dangerous team, and, and they they again consistency matters, and they've not been very consistent. But again, that division is very tough with the Dodgers and Giants. And even when we said that the Giants are one of the disappointing teams, they still play the Padres very tough. So I I, I give the 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 status of contender to the Padres. They pitch well. They have some good pitchers on that staff. Uh, the offense has been up and down at times, and that's been the that's been the hard part for that group is that they 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 can't score a lot of runs and and in. I know they don't have Tatis Jr. He hasn't played all year, and, and there's times where Tatis is really good, and there's times where Tatis is really bad. But that's a piece in that lineup that you have to account for when it matters. Um, so I, I, I think at some point they're going to turn a corner and they're going to be able to you know push the Dodgers a little bit. I don't think they'll catch the Dodgers, but they'll win some games against the Dodgers. They'll win some games against the Giants. They'll be able to win games matter that matter to at least keep them in that in that realm of the of wild card. Uh, and I think they will take that second spot in the wild card and be a contender. All right. So that do we even need to go in the National League? Because I think like if you're saying it's the, we're saying it's either the Mets and Braves, and then we're we're locked in. It you're locked in on the Padres. Yes, I, I think that's it. I mean, we, we we talked about the other two teams that are, that are chasing them right now, the uh, Phillies and Giants. So where I, where I kind of stand with them, I, I you know, and I think the Marlins. If we talked about this uh, on Monday, uh, I think the Marlins could be a sneaky team. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to do enough. Or they don't have enough to catch the Padres for that wild card spot. So the the trade deadline's right up. Uh, you know, other than maybe hopefully not Wilson Contreras, but Wilson, Willie's probably getting traded. I've kind of come to agreement. Is that going to be the biggest name that gets moved? Is is Wilson Contreras? And it's, why is it going to probably be the Mets? Uh, so what other big names probably getting traded other than my guy? Man, I can feel the I can feel the sadness, and you're going to throw the sadness to me by saying that the Mets are going to get Wilson Contreras, and I got to see him in, in the that that royal pinstripe uh, that uh, you know the royal and orange pinstripe that they have. Uh, I, I think Wilson Contreras will be the big name that uh, that gets traded. Uh, I, I think the Mets are really one of the teams. I think the Mets have an eye on a few other players, and in and could be looking at Contreras as being the number their top guy. Uh, if I had to throw another name out there for a trade deadline, uh, and it's a big name, uh, Luis Castillo from the Reds, pitcher who's been outstanding. And he's been a great pitcher for the last two years for the Reds. Uh, he's just not gotten a lot of help from them. Uh, you know, being what the team has been rebuilding and been trying to, you know, depends on who you ask in Cincinnati. If the team says they're trying to uh, build to be a contender in the future, the Reds fans don't believe it. Uh, but Castillo, I think, is going to be one of those that, that gets traded. It's going to be an arms race between uh, two teams. My Braves, who have been interested in Castillo, we've seen him quite a bit. We saw him in the postseason a few years ago. Uh, and he absolutely has dominated us every time we've uh, faced him. Uh, the Braves, I think, could be an interested team to get him uh, into the rotation. And the Dodgers, so it would be another team that are, uh, have already made phone calls uh, to the Reds about uh, Castillo and, and piquing their interest in, in trading him. It'll be up to the Reds as far as what the price is going to be to get someone like that who – uh, again, he's one of, one of the best young pitchers in baseball, and uh, and he's he's going to get paid that way uh, when his time's come for his contract and, and for what a team is wanting out of him. I think Brian Reynolds would be another name to kind of keep an eye on for the Pirates. They've kind of been reluctant to trade him over the last couple of years. I think this might be the year that they do. 
Uh, they've, they're still kind of falling behind a little bit in, in, in wild card. They're not necessarily close to being a contender uh, or contending for a division or wild card spot. So if you've got to, and this is what the Pirates have done, they've, they've hold on guys as long as they can. And they say, all right, we've got to make a decision. Let's make the decision to unload them now. And Brian Reynolds is going to be that guy I, I can see here uh, this season. Uh, there's a few teams that need some outfield. Again, my Braves are probably a team that needed uh, an outfielder. He's been talked about uh, in, in Atlanta. Uh, a lot of fans are wanting uh, Reynolds to, to be part of that uh, team. Uh, I could see uh, I could see other teams that, are, that need some outfield. I think the uh, Yankees uh, would be a team that could look at it and say, we need some outfield help. We've, we've got Stan, uh, Judge doing really well. Stanton at times can play in the outfield. But you have a guy like Joey Gallo who gets time in the outfield. He's not a really good outfielder. So uh, maybe someone like that could be an, high, an option uh, for, for that club. Uh, I think they have some more needs that probably other than an outfielder, but – it's an arms race. If you have the money and you have the prospects, why not go make a trade and just go get you know the rich get richer? Is how I look at it as. Yeah, when you said the the Dodgers in on Castillo, that's exactly what random across my brain. The rich get richer. I mean, the Cubs will give you Jason Hayward, the Yankees. I mean, you can have him, take him. We'll I, would, I wouldn't. Him. We'll probably. I wouldn't. Right that. I mean, it's just not, that's basically another Joey Gallo, at least for what uh, you know for the Yankees. I mean, Hayward. I love Hayward from what he was in Atlanta. He's just not been that same player. I know y'all kind of. When I when I saw y'all throw the money, when the Chicago Cubs threw the money at him, I was like, "Oh, goodness! All right, yeah, it's we'll, not, we'll, that worked we'll, out too." I have two questions for you. So uh, before we get out, one question here: Shohei Otani. Like, I mean, how unreal is this guy? I mean, you're I mean you're unreal because you're pitching left-handed and after throwing right-handed and then learning how to be left-handed. This guy's even more unreal uh, because not only is he a great like, is he the best baseball player going right now? Because he's so great at pitching and he's so great at hitting. Like, he's not even good, decent. He's great at both, it feels like. In the aspect of what he's accomplishing that we haven't seen in our generation and probably haven't seen in the last three generations, uh, you know, since Babe Ruth. I mean, when you get compared to a guy like Babe Ruth, and I think that's a little bit unfair, but, I mean, he's doing things that Babe Ruth was the last one to do. Uh, so you have to you have to at least add him to the conversation of the top three baseball players, but because he's pitching really well, he hits really well. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta at least have the conversation and, and start with the conversation with Shohei Otani. Uh, it, it is it, it, we we it, we haven't seen this. We haven't seen somebody in the big leagues pitch and hit and do it at a high level and win the MVP doing it. Probably you know if he continues developing and, and be able to uh, keep healthy. Uh, you could have a conversation of him winning a Cy Young at some point as well. So, I mean, again, how many guys could say uh, they you know, won batting titles, won uh, an MVP and a Cy Young uh, throughout their career, uh, you know, and doing it out of – not instead of doing it only 100 at-bats, doing it at 500 at-bats in the season. And that's kind of what he's done. Uh, and he's, he's able to continue to do it. And it, it's unreal. It, it is. Like you said, I, I, I've never seen that. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm enjoying watching what he's doing. Uh, and and, and uh, soaking it in as far as how long he can continue to do it is going to be the big question. But uh, you have to, if, as a baseball fan, you have to be able to be impressed. You have to enjoy it. And you just sit back and watch you know, history being made every time he steps on the mound and steps in the box. Yeah, I mean, he's a video game player. Like that's you couldn't even do what he was do what he's doing on MLB the Show a couple of years ago. I mean, it's <laughs> insane. So one more question. So give us your World Series pick. I know you said you had the Blue Jays, but obviously you're, you're backing off of that one. I feel like. Yep. So first half of the season here <laughs> is over. Who are you picking? Who are we? Uh, who I like to say 
who we hammering, who's Jonathan hammering home for his World Series. Uh, pick the pick one National League, American League, your representative, and then your winner. We're going to hammer it right here. We're going to hold you to it. Man, I, I will say, so I, I did pick Blue Jays and Braves at the beginning of the season to uh, to play in the World Series. Obviously, I will change my answer. Uh, I've been intrigued to think that we could have a rematch of the 2021 World Series just one year down uh, later. Uh, but I, I, I feel like we're going to see a rematch of, I think it was the 96 World Series, and that is the Yankees and Braves playing in the World Series in the Fall Classic this year. I, I think that's, uh, the Yankees are the best team in the American League with the Astros right behind them, but they match up very well with each other. Uh, they're going to they're gonna battle it out uh, throughout. It's going to be uh, a two-team race in the American League no matter what. And I think at some point the Yankees are just going to pull away and they'll, they'll, they'll win that, uh, that matchup between the Astros and, and the uh, American League Championship Series. Uh, the Braves, I, I, they haven't even played to their – even with a 14-game winning streak, I don't think the Braves have played to their full potential still. I think you still got uh, Ronald Acuna, who's still figuring out his knee, still trying to make sure he is healthy. So when he does get that uh, that to that point of being healthy and back to normal, that's when he's going to start taking off. So we haven't seen the full potential of Acuna this season. The pitching staff has been is has been inconsistent at times. Outside of Kyle Wright and Max Fried, uh, the two best pitchers in the staff, you have Charlie Moore, who's pitched okay at times. Uh, Ian Anderson has pitched okay at times. So you have – and then the, the rookie, Spencer Strider, who's been amazing for them. So you have a little bit more uh, you know, room in that pitching staff that can be. And then they, they, the, the bullpen is probably the best in baseball. Uh, they proved it last year in, the, in the, uh, their postseason run. They're pitching really well this year. Uh, but you still haven't seen the full potential of the Braves this season. Again, despite the 14-game winning streak, they have the, the best record since June 1st uh, in, the, in baseball. Uh, I think that they're gonna they're gonna turn that corner and they'll they'll beat the Mets they'll catch up to the Mets and, and really pass them in the division win the division again uh, and they'll be again we'll see a, I think a rematch for third straight year of Braves and Dodgers in the NLCS and I think the Braves have their number this time again they kind of figured out how to beat them and they'll do it so they'll have Braves and Yankees uh, and I. I I cannot pick against my Braves. I'm sure you you know it with the uh, you pick with the Cubs. I'm sure when they win the World Series, I'll pick Braves in six against the Yankees in the World Series. I, I'm hammering it home for you. Jonathan's picking the Braves back to back World Series champs. That hasn't happened since the Yankees at the turn of the century. Uh, yes. uh, last time we had back to back champs in World Series. So Jonathan's picking the Yankees. Well, Jonathan, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your incredible story. Uh, giving us all your baseball insight. Uh, anything you want to plug it, plug it real quick. Go ahead, my man. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, if everybody just go uh, check out our uh, Facebook page. We have Alpha Performance Baseball, Alpha Performance Softball. Uh, you know, we're getting good things going right now. We'll continue to grow our organization more. Uh, everything that we're doing is for these kids that we have in the uh, in the program. Uh, we're getting we're getting actually uh, getting ready to go pack up right now to get uh, to head to Midland, Texas. A nice little five hour drive with them. Uh, I got my girls going to play in a college showcase this weekend. So, uh, again, getting getting the opportunity to go and, and fulfill their dreams is what we're about to go do this week. All right, go get it. Hey, Alpha Performance, not Alpha Academy. It's Alpha Performance, folks. This has been another great episode of the Bodkin Show. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe on YouTube. We're also live on Spotify. We're going to be at, we're on Spotify now. So and iTunes. So uh, head over to iTunes and Spotify. Give us a nice little five star rating and a follow. Uh, make sure you're liking, subscribing. 
We'll be back hopefully on Sunday. If not, I'll be back uh, on Let's Talk Sports tomorrow as well uh, at 11 o'clock Central Time Zone. So check out everything on Let's Talk Sports. I'll be back also on Bodkins and Buffoon on the Sports Buffoons Network on Monday about 7.30. So I appreciate everybody tuning in today. It's been another great episode of the Bodkin Show. Jonathan, I appreciate you again, brother. Best of luck this weekend for Alpha Performance. Get it. Bring it home. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you very much, man.